John, first John chapter three. The love demonstrated by the believer. Remember last week we said that John introduces a topic, then he leaves it and then he comes back to it and this he's doing with love at this time here. The first time it was introductory and you know we need to love one another. This, well, this one is more serious. It's a matter of life and death to love one another. That's what John says there <clears throat> in verse 14. We know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren he that loveth not his brother abideth in death that's spiritual death and so <clears throat> that's what we started looking at last week the command concerning love the command stated in verse 11 and the command illustrated in verses 12 and through to 16 i'm missing a verse in the middle there but the command illustrated first of all he used the illustration of the absence of love and he talked about who? Who didn't love his brother and that he killed him? Cain didn't love his brother Abel and he killed his brother. And so he brings this illustration. And remember when we went to the Gospels, the Lord also talked about Abel in, in talking to the Pharisees, those that they were living by law and not by love. And <clears throat> he said, you're just like back then. You're, you're of your father, yeah. the devil. And so that pretty pointed... And we didn't get to the next illustration of the abound, <coughs> abounding of love. In James chapter 3 and verse 9 to 12, James 3, 9 to 12, James said that we bless God with our, with our tongue and we curse men who are made after the similitude of God out of the same mouth Proceeds blessings and cursings, my brethren, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. And so <clears throat> don't don't do it if you're if you're a Christian. It won't happen. You won't want to do it. The illustration from the absence of love. Now the illustration from the abounding abundance of love. Let's pray before we look at that. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you that gives us instruction in how to live a godly life and how to be more like your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. Bless our hearts, Lord. May we have love one for another. And may, Lord, we not hate, as it says in these verses, but love and show that abounding love we have in our hearts. Bless us together as we fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> And verse 14, we've passed from death unto life, as I've just quoted, because we know we have, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Uh, two points of evidence, or you could even say three, come out of this verse here. <clears throat> and the verse before, marvel not my, not my brethren, if the world hate you. The world will hate Christians. The world, pictured in Cain, hated Abel. The world hated Christ, pictured in the religious leaders. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we're to love one another and let's have that right love. Two points. The world will hate us. Why? Because we point the truth out. In the Gospel of John and chapter 15, it talks a lot about the world hating the believer. It says there, we mentioned it but didn't read it last week in verse 18. If the world hates you, 
You know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. It would be good not to have to go through life being hated by the world, wouldn't it? Remember the word that I said unto you, a servant is not greater than his host or his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my sake, because they know not him that sent me, that is the Father. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sinned, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He has revealed himself, he's shown who he is. Now they can't hide in their cloak anymore. He that hateth me hateth my father also. And you can imagine if the Pharisees and religious peoples listening, who knew in their hearts, I don't like him, I despise him, he's, he's taking our following away, he's preaching things we don't like, he, he's saying he's, he's God, making himself equal with God. He, he said in John ten thirty one to 39, I am my, of my father, mm-hmm. I am my father are one. And they took up stones to stone him. And <clears throat> so on we read there in John 15, if I had not done among them the works which no other man did, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen and hated both me and the Father. He did it. He did it before them. He did the miracles. He, they, had, they had ample proof who he was and who he claimed to be, yet they hated him and hated his Father without a cause, as it reads there. And they crucified him. <clears throat> so they are of their father, the devil. They are of their, the example of Cain in the New Testament there. And going back, going back to John, 1 John 3, we said evidences that are present to substantiate the claims of new life in Christ. The world will hate you. And we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. It's simply stated. And, <clears throat> and we could say a third thing there is mentioned, he who hates sin hates is not a believer so who has shown us the supreme example of love we all know for God so loved the world the Lord himself in John 10 verse 17 therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it again no man taketh it from me but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received received of my Father. <clears throat> and so the supreme example of love is the Lord Jesus and there's no doubt about that, that he died a voluntary death. He laid his life down, as it says in verse 16 of that portion. Now, who did he do it for? In verse 16 it says... It's done for us. This perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. For us. And someone indeed has to love greatly to lay down their life for another. For another. And he did that. For, and being the Lord himself. His death was substitutionary for us. On behalf. And instead of us he died in our place. And as Matthew 20 verse 28 says, 
even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to give his life a ransom for many. And over in the book of Romans, elaborates on the same thought about his love for us and that ex example given in verse 6 of Romans 5. <clears throat> for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank the Lord, praise the Lord, be ever grateful to him. And God commendeth his love toward us. So the illustration of abounding abundance of love is given there. And that's seen in Christ. The illustration of the absence of love is seen in Cain. But in Christ the abundance of love is seen. And there's many other verses we could look at. Now we think of the conduct befitting love in verse the last part of verse 16, this is in John's Gospel, I mean 1 John 3, the last part of that. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, the conduct befitting love. What response should there be to God's matchless love? Well, it doesn't say, now we are to do this, but it doesn't say here to love him in return, surprisingly. No, John says we ought to love what God loves to the extent that God loves it. And that's one another. You know, this is the evidence of love befitting us who are Christians. We love what God loves. Love is personally expressed in verse 16 there. <clears throat> our love for brethren should be tangible, a tangible evidence of our love for God. And what should we do for our brethren? Lay down our lives. Just as he laid down his life, <laughs> for us we are to lay it down for our brethren. And this is not salvation, this is related to service. And few of us will be called upon to give our lives for a brethren, but all of us are called upon to live our lives for, for the brethren. In John's Gospel, greater love hath no man, this is laying one, down one's life, hath no man than this that a man lay down his life. For his friend, John fifteen thirteen. So <clears throat> love is personally expressed as we love one another and we, as we lay our life down. Now, we can say that, but what does it mean to lay our life down for our brethren? In living terms, in service terms. Practical Christianity. Okay, put others for ourselves. John, you said to minister to other people. In what ways can we minister? Yeah. <laughs> all, the, all those things that as Christians we ought to be doing in the church that he, has, he loves and he's died for. So these, the practical side of it is love is personally expressed in this, this way Toward others, we lay our life down. Um, Paul said that about the church. Mm -hmm. Love, you know, um, especially those. Yeah, yeah, I know. Another verse you're hinting around. Uh -huh. Do good unto all men, especially unto those who are of the household of faith, or something like that. Yep. Is it right? Uh, this weekend, I'm going to the footy. No, I never, I've never been to the footy. <laughs> I go to the footy, but then. 
something comes up in the need of a life of the family, the church, that I could, I could do on Sunday. I'm going to lay down the footy match to serve the Christian. In practical ways, we need, if we, you know, <clears throat> if we hear of something, ah, somebody has a need, God let you hear it. <laughs> God brought it to you. Maybe it's that we should take it up and do it. And it should be personally expressed as toward one another. In Philippians 2.20 it says, For I have no man, <clears throat> Paul said, like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Care for the state of other Christians. And that was a spirit, spiritually speaking. For all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. They did it back then and more so today in the 20th century with all the, all the things and the pleasures we can participate in. Lay down our lives. The conduct befitting love is personally expressed in this way. In Romans 5, verse 7, again, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die for adventure. For good man, some would even dare to die, but God commended his love toward us. And that while we get sinners, Christ died for us. <clears throat> okay, love is personally expressed and love is practically expressed. Continuing to further the subject in verse 17, he says, But whosoever hath this world's goods, so he's making it personal, getting, touching on the point here, and sees his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Ah, personal denial of love is mentioned in this verse. A negative example is used here by John to teach a positive truth. The first, there is the reserve of resources. Whosoever hath this world's goods. Now, through life, have you noticed? And it, I don't. I really shouldn't have to say it, but those that will have a lot don't necessarily meet the needs of those that haven't a lot in Christian circles. And those that have the most don't give the most in, in that. And so little is much when God is in it. And the, the poor person gives the widow and a mite. You know, wealth, possessions, prestige, position and intellect. They've got it, but don't contribute that. The, the, the ability, you know. I'll just look. There's some chairs. What are they, though? What do we use them for? Up here. Them things. Ministering to others. If you've got a talent, you know, squeaking it, that one, or, or blowing it, use the, use the talent for the benefit of others. You have a talent. You have a possession. You have something that you can use for the glory of God and for the edification of the saints. Use it. And um, it's great to see people using their gifts for the glory of God. In 1 Timothy 6.17, it says this. <clears throat> Charge them that are rich in this world, and as I've said, we extended that to talents and all sorts of things. Uh, we might have been born on, with a silver spoon in our mouth, and you know we have opportunity. They that that they be not high-minded. Well, look at me, nor trust in uncertain riches that I've got for a reti retirement, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. <clears throat> that they do good that they be rich in good works, 
ready to distribute and willing to communicate. There's a good illustration. <laughs> a reservoir of resources, use it. Um, <laughs> leave it behind for who to use. Secondly, in that verse, we're back in First John, chapter 3, verse 17, there is a recognition of need. Seeth his brother. Notice that in the second part of verse 17. And seeth his brother. He's got the world's goods. He seeth his brother have a need. <clears throat> There's not a ca this is not a casual look. This is a, this is a deliberate... I've looked into this and I see that brother or sister or, and has this need and then, no, don't want to do anything. Proverbs 3.27, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thy hand to do it. Do it. <laughs> and that's why we'll come up to in verse 18. Do it. And <clears throat> say not, it continues in Proverbs, Say not unto thy, thy neighbour, <clears throat> come again tomorrow and I'll... Oh, go, he said, go. The neighbours come to him. Go and come again and tomorrow I will give when thou, when thou hast it by thee now, you know. Your neighbour can say, well, there it is, you know. <laughs> I see you've got the chainsaw. I need some firewood. Uh, can I have it? No, you don't ask that. <laughs> But I'll come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you. No, when it's by you or whatever it might be. There's a recognition of our need. There's a reservoir of resources. And there's a refusal to help. And it says there in that verse, He shutteth up his compassions from him. Love goes out the window. He slams shut the door of his heart. He's cold and calloused and selfish, a miser like Mr. Scrooge. James chapter 2, James chapter 2, verse 15 or 14 and following. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man says he has faith and has not works? Can faith, that sort of faith, save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things that are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. So there's a reservoir of resources, a recognition of the need, there's a refusal to help. And then the last part of verse, verse 16, of verse 17 there, <clears throat> shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? And so love is practically expressed. It's not expressed through this person. How dwelleth the love of God? And uh, what illustration do we have that we've been recently taught? Okay, thank you. The Good Samaritan on Sunday night. I know. The priest, the Levite, whichever order, and then the Samaritan. Had compassion on him, had love for him, had the desire to help. And he's not even one of the crowd, one of the the nation of Israel and he was a despised person but he offered to help in Luke chapter 10 as we were taught there on Sunday night verse 33 to the end of the chapter yep 
question of the lawyer, as Sam pointed it out. You know, who who is my neighbour anyway? Come on, try to identify that. You know, you love your neighbour as yourself. And then the Lord put it right back on him, didn't he? As as Sam said, <laughs> well, I'll tell you who your neighbour is: the person with a need, a person whom you can express the love of God to through meeting that need. And you can do this to unsaved people, and you might be amazed at this, the open door that opens. And then verse 18, <clears throat> love is practically expressed in these two verses. Firstly, personal denial of love, then personal demonstration of love. And verse 18 reads, My little children, let us not love in word. You know, the Lord be with you. See you tomorrow. I'll give it then. Neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So John in this verse is talking about those who talk much and do little, as it is over in James chapter 1, James 1 verse 22, where it says, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a, a man beholding his natural face in the glass for he beholdeth himself, goeth his way, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Ask ourselves the question, when is the last time I showed an expression of love to another person? When did I last loan something out that was close to me and I really didn't want it, but I, when did I give to somebody? You know, this is for you to answer between you and the Lord, that you showed... I showed love, Christian love, to another person. Or do we say, oh, yeah, we'll do it, and we hear the sermons and we preach it, we teach it in a Sunday school, but we need, to, we need to do this. Talk is cheap, isn't it? <clears throat> i put this down. I've lost, long ago lost count of Christians who have told me what to do, but they also tell you how to do it. When they have never done it, nor intended to do it, and they criticise anybody that attempts to do it. And it's a sad case of offence. I see that more. I saw that when we had a camp and we had working bees there. Everybody knew how to do the job. <laughs> Everyone was leaning on a shovel or something like that. <laughs> I remember Les Thomas told me, go, he'd take the tractor, go down and do this. And I went down to do that. And, and they got really upset. I said, oh, I'm just doing what I was told to do. <laughs> They'd been all... All day slashing with slashes and raking with rakes to make the fence like it was. And Les said, "Just go straight. We can put up post there, post there, and a strainer." And so I just dug clean and no, 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 it's not there. It's over here. I said no. <laughs> anyway, they were trying to do it, but when they ride around and just shout the orders, "Come on, get off there! <laughs> Help us do it." I'll use a, a close with an illustration, and I'll read this. William Carey certainly thought, thought that talk was not enough. On May the 31st in 1872, the Nottingham cobbler preached his famous sermon. The text was plain enough and practical enough. It was from Isaiah 54, verse 2 and 3. Lengthen my cords, strengthen my stakes, for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Now, We'd make an application of that to Israel and all that, but he, he made his application that day. For some time, God had been preparing Carey's heart 
In his workshop, he kept a homemade map of the world on which he noted the population, religion and other appropriate information about the various countries. But he was up against hyper-Calvinism. He broached the question, is the Lord's commands to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations still binding in church? One minister told him to sit down. He didn't tell him to shut up, <laughs> but he told him to sit down. When God pleases to convert the heathen, this other preacher said, he was bluntly told, he'll do it without consulting you or me. <laughs> you know, he's, a, he's a person that wants to get out and do it, and this is what he's told. And that's, the, that's the hyper-Calvinism. Later came his famous sermon, Accept, I mean, Expect Great Things for God, and he cried in conclusion, what did he cry? Attempt great things for God. The people, however, did not weep in response to the plight of the pagan as he presented it. They didn't even wait. They just stood up as usual and prepared to go out. Kerry grasped the arm of his friend, Andrew Fuller. Aren't we going to do anything? He cried. Oh, Fuller, call them back. Call them back. All the world knows how then and there the first modern missionary society was formed, how Carey went to Calcutta, India, and how mightily he did something, something about the spiritual darkness to those heathen lands. Do it. If it's in your grasp, if it's in your power, and you've got the opportunity, take it. What did Paul say? I like his instant, instant response to God's saving his soul. Lord, what will thou have me to do? He jumped on it. <laughs> in a coming day, when the Lord judges the nations in the valley of Jehoshaphat, as it's depicted in Matthew 25, there they will not be condemned for the terrible things they've done, and they've done some terrible things that gathered to, to annihilate Israel. They will stand convicted for the things they didn't do the things I didn't do listen to what the Lord says to them in Matthew 25 <clears throat> um, verse I'm getting down to the other <laughs> the king shall answer them and say unto them in, and he's talking to the ones that have done something and you've done it to one of the least of these my brethren you've done it to me then he shall say unto them on the left hand, the cursed ones, the, sh the goats, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. No, 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 notice it. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. And uh, then, so then, then she, we've never met you. We never saw you. Uh, you in, in so much you've done it to the least of these, my brethren. You've done it to me, just like the ones that were blessed. And so there's an example. <clears throat> Not to just sit there. Let's do something. And that comes because we're saved. That love expressed comes because we have the love of Christ in us and we appreciate what he's done for us. And so let's love one another. Don't, don't just... Sit there. <laughs> um, 
Say not there are four months to the harvest. This might be literal, you know. One day it's going to be for somebody. There are four months to when the Lord comes. Lift up your eyes unto the fields that are white unto harvest. And the other parable, Matthew 20, verse 6. Why stand ye here idle all day? Don't just sit there. We enjoy the Christian life. We have the wonderful privileges. Let's go and talk and tell and witness and win people to the Lord. That's from their verses, those verses tonight.